Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. I heard Randy Clark say one time that when we're in the presence of the Lord in worship and when he demonstrates his presence in our midst, it always comes with the power to heal. Because Jesus is in the room. So let's just ask the Lord because he's present. How many, how many want just want to testify? He is with us. He's here. He's in the room. And so Jesus, we just are asking for you to do what you always do at meetings. You always heal. And it's in my heart to ask the Lord tonight to heal, especially anyone that has an issue between your knees and your feet. Anywhere from your knees to your feet. And you are the body of Christ and your hands are the hands of Christ. So we're going to lay hands on ourselves right now. So if you have an issue in your knees, I invite you to lay your hand on your knees, whatever that issue might be, and just Speak to your body. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. If you have an issue in your calf, I invite you to put your hand on your calf and speak to that issue. Be healed in Jesus' name. If you have an issue in your in one of your feet or both of your feet, you're welcome to put a hand on a foot right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. If you have an issue in your toes, put your hand on your toes right now. Toes be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The glory of Eden is with us tonight. Be healed. Your whole body, but especially from knees to healed in Jesus name now if you have some kind of an indication that God's doing something if you're feeling heat if you're feeling something happening or you're aware that something's going on just wave at us right now you're aware that Jesus is touching you somehow in your body just want to get a here's one hand God's doing something right here thank you Jesus Somebody else, somebody else, anybody else. Jesus is doing something right now. The glory of Eden. Jesus' name. There's an issue 
be healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. Jesus died in loyalty to his Father. 
Jesus was in the Garden of Eden, and he said, Abba, not my will, but yours be done. I don't think the issue in the in, in Gethsemane, I don't think the issue was surrender. I think the issue was loyalty. And Jesus is saying to his Father, I'm yours, Abba. I'll do anything for you. Since we talked last, have you found another way? <laughs> stand before you tonight as a man who is deeply loyal. And I'm really loyal only to one thing. The cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of If you got more for the years, I'll take it. I don't know if you can find more for me. Oh, I just discovered that I don't have this up all the way. That's going to help me. Okay, I'm doing good now. Thank you. The cross of Christ will carry your heart. I'm, I'm doing good. I just didn't have it turned up for some reason. The cross of Christ will carry your heart in the hour of persecution. When they've got a gun to your head and they are threatening you to recant your faith, the only thing that will carry you in that day is to look at the cross of Jesus and go, he laid his life down for me and I will lay my life down for him. And the cross will carry you in the darkest hour. The cross demands a loyalty decision. It surely did for Pilate. You recall that when Pilate was trying Jesus at the judgment seat, that the Jew, that he tried to get Jesus released, and the Jews pull out the loyalty card. And the Jews go like this. They go, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And when they made it an issue of friendship, Friendship is about loyalty. And when they made it a loyalty issue, Pilate immediately sat down and passed judgment because Pilate is like this. If you think that I'm loyal to this loser Jew that can't stay out of trouble, I'm loyal to the power man of our planet. And he had given his heart and loyalty to Caesar. He thought it was a power move. And I'm going, Pilate, you blew it big time. Because the most powerful man in the universe is standing in front of you right now. It was the most dreadful miscalculation because he thought he was giving his loyalty to the power guy. Some of the most important decisions you will make in life will be loyalty decisions. God likes loyalty. 
he's looking for it. On one occasion, he noticed this girl. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ruth goes, entreat me not to leave you or to leave or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And God looks at this statement of loyalty from the mouth of Ruth and goes, I like this girl. And he brings her into the lineage of the Messiah because of a heart of loyalty. Somebody else in the Bible that God noticed loyalty in? David. David is this young kid that the Bible says he was tending his father's sheep. Now, if you know anything about the story of David, you probably know that his relationship with his father was not entirely functional. But David, even though his father is somewhat dysfunctional, David has a loyal spirit. He's tending his father's sheep, and along comes a lion. Now, if you're a hireling, you don't do lions. If you're a hireling, you're like, hello, Mr. Lion. You can have that little lamb. God bless you. They don't pay me enough to do lions. But David wasn't a hireling. He was a loyal son. And he looked at that lion and said, Mr. Lion, you have one of my father's sheep in your mouth over my dead body. Well, you have my father's sheep. And he took his life in his hands to deliver his father's sheep. And God looks at this young kid with the loyal spirit and goes, I like this kid. <laughs> and God brings David into the ancestry of the Messiah. And actually, God made David the biblical template for loyalty. So now, if you want to know, how do you do loyalty when the guy over you is trying to kill you? David, I'll talk to you about that. And if you're like, how do I do loyalty when my peers are trying to take me down? Uh, David, I'll talk to you about that one. And how do I do loyalty when my own children are trying to take the kingdom away from me? I'll talk to you about that one too. Over, beside, under, loyalty. David becomes the biblical template how to walk in loyalty. David is the guy in the Bible who it was safe to follow. Just say this to the Lord Jesus, make me a safe leader. I want to be the kind of leader that it's safe to follow. Give me the heart of David.
does not occur a lot of times in the Bible if you do a word search on it. And the reason for that is God has a very light touch when it comes to loyalty. He doesn't want your loyalty to be, to, to be coerced. He wants it to be voluntary. So he's got a very light touch on it. But when you follow it through scripture, you realize it's actually the central issue of our gospel. Jesus came to win a bride who would be loyal to him with all her heart. Now, when I say that I'm going to speak on loyalty tonight, I'm aware that there are probably a few folks in the room with loyalty scars. Here's what I mean. You gave your heart in loyalty in the past. Something went bad and it's a painful topic. There's probably somebody in that category tonight. So understanding that, I want to begin by saying three things that loyalty is not. Number one, loyalty is not unqualified allegiance. Loyalty does not say to a leader, I will follow you no matter what. No, actually, loyalty has conditions on it. Loyalty is wise. Loyalty is discerning. And loyalty uses wisdom. Anybody in the room a dog lover? Any dog lovers in the room? I got a dog lover in the front row right here. I love dogs because when you come home, they just give you this royal welcome. How many just love that welcome you get when you come home? The thing I love about dogs is they're so loyal. The Bible says outside are dogs. Here's the problem with dogs. They're loyal without discernment. So you can be a good master, they're loyal. You can be an evil master, they're loyal. Dogs have no discernment. God has not called you to be a dog. He hasn't called you to, to loyalty without discernment. There are dogs at the end of the age, the Bible calls them dogs, who will give their loyalty to the wrong party. You want to be careful who you give your loyalty to. Give your loyalty to the cross of Jesus Christ. So have wisdom and have discernment. Loyalty is conditional. Loyalty for me is conditional on the three qualities of Christ in Psalm 45 verse 4. Truth, humility, and righteousness. These are the three things that you must preserve if you want my loyalty. If you compromise on truth. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to say it right now. If your leader compromises on truth, get out. If your leader compromises on humility, 
get out. If your leader compromises on righteousness, get out. But if you preserve truth, humility, and righteousness, I'm yours. Let's do this thing. Let's join together and be about the Father's business. Truth, humility, and righteousness. The second thing that loyalty is not, it's not silent submission. Loyalty does not just go, okay, I'm going to shut up and just go yes. No, that's not loyalty. Loyalty speaks up. There are some leaders that go, if you're loyal to me, you'll agree with me. No, that's not true. Loyalty will speak up. Loyalty will challenge. Every leader needs people around them who are loyal enough to speak up and give them perspective that they need. But here's the thing. If you're loyal to me, I know you'll do it in kindness. Third thing that loyalty is not is romantic unrealism. Loyalty does not have this idea of my leader is God's gift to Texas. that were loyal to David saw his issues. How many know David had issues? They saw his issues. They didn't think he was perfect, but they're like, God has chosen him. God has anointed him. God is with him. God fights his battles. Sign me up. And loyalty is based on some because they've got a Davidic heart after God and the favor of God is on their life. So the point is, you can see weaknesses and foibles and still give your heart in loyalty to God's David's. So loyalty is not unqualified allegiance. It's not silent submission. It's not romantic unrealism. Now, Here's a definition of loyalty. Loyalty is a noble, unswerving allegiance rooted in faith and love that binds hearts together in common purpose. Loyalty produces a synergy in the body of Christ. We do more together. And when we join together with one heart, things happen in the spirit. The kingdom moves forward. So loyalty involves, I want you to notice the words faith and love. I just want to talk about those two words for a moment, faith and love. First of all, loyalty is an expression of love. 
steroids. Because there's an intensity, there's a devotion, there's a beauty in loyalty. Love at a deeper dimension. God sometimes will grow loyalty in your heart. And then sometimes he'll just give it to you. This happened with Jonathan and David. Maybe you remember the story. It's in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. David is having a visit with Saul, and Saul's son Jonathan is, is part of the conversation. And in a 20-minute conversation, God joined the soul of Jonathan to David, and they entered into a covenantal relationship. And it was a it was a, a relationship of loyalty that God knit in a 20-minute conversation. God can give it to you just like that. Yeah. Or sometimes two or three years down the road, <laughs> stay with us, give your heart, and maybe in time the Lord will give it to you. The Bible commands love because love is a decision. You can decide to love somebody, but the Bible never commands loyalty because you can't decide to be loyal. You can't just kind of grit your teeth, okay, I am going to be loyal to dwell church. It, it, it's, it's not something you will your way into. It's something that is given in the Holy Spirit. It's a download. It's something that God just does in your heart. That it, it, It's a beautiful thing. Listen, when God gives you loyalty to the team that you're in, it is a precious jewel to be enjoyed and celebrated because it doesn't happen every time. So I say to leaders all the time, never require loyalty. Leaders who require loyalty don't know what it is. I feel like I, 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 I was almost going to say something about Trump, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Leaders that require loyalty don't know what it is, because the moment you require loyalty, it's no longer loyalty. It has now become servitude. For loyalty to be true, it must be voluntary. And Jesus, he doesn't demand your loyalty. He doesn't require your loyalty. He desires freely from your heart a voluntary affection of loyalty to him. So somebody goes, well, can I do anything as a leader to promote loyalty on my team? And the answer is yes. You lay your life down. 
When you lay your life down, you are not demanding loyalty. You are winning loyalty. On the cross, Jesus does not demand your loyalty. He wins your loyalty. He takes it in his feet. He takes it in his hands. He says, this is how much I love you. And now he gives you the voluntary option of giving your heart to the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you seen the cross? Have you seen his extravagant love? I pray that the Holy Spirit will show it to you tonight. I pray that you'll see the cross tonight in a new way and something inside your heart will go, he gave it all for me and I'm going to give it all for him and I give my loyalty tonight to the cross of Jesus Christ. So leaders don't demand loyalty, they win loyalty just like Jesus did for us on the cross. So loyalty is an expression of love. The sec oh, the definition's gone, but the, the, the second word in our definition I want to talk about is faith. Loyalty is an expression of faith. Our first word is 1 Chronicles 12, 18. They've got it great. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. This is one of the most beautiful statements of loyalty in the whole Bible. And I want you to notice the spirit of God inspired this. Amasai is actually under a prophetic anointing in this moment. The spirit comes on him and he starts to prophesy and he says to David, we are yours. And it, it's a powerful statement of loyalty. May the spirit of God come upon you and may you say to a David in the body of Christ, we are yours. Let's do this together. May God give you that grace. And the reason that Amasai says this, notice in the verse, the reason is your God helps you. Amasai goes, I've done the math. You've got God on your side, bro. He fights your battles. His smile is upon you. God's on your team. I'm on your team. <laughs> and loyalty is an expression of faith that God is fighting the battles of his David. Loyalty has to do with sphere. The Lord gave me that phrase in an unusual way. I want to explain what it means. Every person in this room tonight has a sphere. Paul used 
this word in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. He said, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. And Paul is talking about the, the, the circle of influence that God had given him. Everyone in the room has a God-given circle of influence in your family, in your marriage, with your children, at your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your church. Every one of us has a sphere around our lives where we have an impact in the lives of people around us. And by the way, through life, your sphere will enlarge and diminish and enlarge and diminish. It's breathing. It's like the tides of the ocean. It'll enlarge and it'll diminish. But it's a God-given sphere. And when you're loyal to someone, you are very careful to honor their sphere. Loyalty honors sphere. So Paul said of Timothy, he goes, he calls Timothy a true son. What he meant when he called Timothy a true son, he meant a loyal son. Timothy looked at Paul's sphere and in his heart said something like this. Paul, that's your sphere. God gave that to you. I will never touch it. I will never violate it. I will never infringe on it. I will honor it. I will protect it. I will celebrate it, but I will never take from it to establish my sphere. If God's going to give me a sphere, he's going to have to give it to me for myself because I will never take from your sphere to establish my sphere. And Paul called Timothy a true son because he was aware of Paul's sphere and he never touched it. In contrast to Absalom, who was a biological son to David, but he was not a true son to David because Absalom looked at his father's sphere and said, I want that. Either you give it to me or I will take it. And Absalom goes down in scripture as one of the uh, greatest examples of disloyalty because he went after his father's sphere. Listen, there's enough to go around. God has enough for you. You don't ever have to take from somebody else's sphere to establish your own. In fact, I invite you just to make a little vow in your heart with 
Jesus right now. Jesus, I will never take from somebody else's fear to establish my own. Whatever sphere I have in life, you're going to have to give it to me because I'm never going to take it from somebody else. Lord gave me a definition of disloyalty. I'm going to blame God for this. <laughs> the Lord gave me a definition of disloyalty. David, it's not in that book I gave you. I got this after the book was published, so it's not in the book, but it's really good. You want to write this one down. If you have a device, if you have a piece of paper, if you've got a way to write it down, it's just really good. Here it comes. Disloyalty. Using the privilege someone gives you against them. Here it is again. Using the privilege someone gives you against them. Example, Lucifer. God had given great privilege to Lucifer, given him glory, strength, power, might, wisdom. And Lucifer took what God had given him and used that glory to leverage against God. He used what he was given by God against God. That's the spirit of disloyalty. When someone gives you something and then you use it against them, that's the spirit of disloyalty. This is what Absalom did. He was given sonship by his father, David, and he took what his father, David, had given him and used it against against his father that's disloyalty this is what this is what Judas Iscariot did Jesus brought Judas into the table J Judas even knew where Jesus prayed he was invited into the inner circle and he took what was given him by Jesus and used it against Jesus that's the spirit of disloyalty. Somebody says, disloyalty is when you leave the team. No. It is not disloyalty to leave the team. You can leave. It can be disloyal how you leave. If you use what has been given you against them, now it becomes disloyalty. But this disloyalty is not leaving the team. Disloyalty is taking the privilege that somebody gives to you and then leveraging against them what they have given to you. I wish that I had a microphone right now, Pastor David, to the whole nation, to the whole planet. I wish, I just wish I had a way to share this with all the young men and all the young women in the body of Christ so that we could somehow in our hearts decide, 
knowledge that somebody gives me against them. Decided in your family. Decided at your workplace. Decided in your church. Decide in every sphere of life. Nobody will ever regret giving me privilege. Just decide right now. They paid your way. They made a way for you. They gave you a chair at the table. They invited you into the inner circle. They promoted you. They cheered you on. They just decide nobody in your workplace just decide nobody will ever regret giving me privilege if you give me privilege I will not use it against you I am going to use it to bless you and to help you have the spirit of Joseph this is what Joseph did Pharaoh gave Joseph incredible privilege and Joseph had the option if he wanted to to use it for his own advancement but he decided I don't think he had this language for it but he decided Pharaoh you will never regret giving me this privilege and by the time the story is finished Joseph makes Pharaoh the richest man on the planet Give me the heart of a Joseph Jesus. I will never, you will never regret giving me privilege. I wish I could talk to every youth pastor right now. I wish I could talk to every worship leader right now. I wish I could talk to every employee in the body of Christ, every assistant, in whatever way they gave you privilege, may they never regret it. Somebody say, that's a good word, Bob. Loyalty has to do with sphere. And when you know someone's sphere, when you're loyal to them, you'll never take from it. You'll never damage it. You'll never hurt it. You'll honor it. Jesus Christ has a sphere. And when you are loyal to Jesus, you never touch his sphere. When you're loyal to Jesus, you're like this. Yours is the kingdom. Not trying to build a kingdom for myself. Yours is the power. I'm not on a power trip here. Yours is the glory. I'm not trying to glorify my name. I'm trying to glorify your name. And when you're loyal to Jesus Christ, listen, if you claim to be loyal to Jesus, find out what his sphere is and then never touch it. Give you a hint. Included in his sphere is the bride of Christ. Never go after the affections of the bride of Christ. I felt like the Lord asked me one time, He said, Bob, after you've had an evening of ministering to my bride, who does she come away talking about?
Jesus, I don't ever want to violate your sphere. I want to honor your sphere. I want to serve your bride in such a way that her eyes are turned toward you. She sees you more. She's talking about you more. She's giving her heart and loyalty to your cross more. Jesus, may I be a loyal friend. I want to encourage you to guard a loyal spirit. The options are not loyalty or disloyalty. There's a middle ground. I call it honor. There are places where you will have loyalty. There are places where you're going to go, I I am not going to participate in disloyalty, but there is a middle ground of honor because you don't, God doesn't give you loyalty in every context. There are some people in this room, you are not loyal to your workplace. There are some employees in the room tonight that are. You actually are loyal to where you work. Others haven't been given that. There are some people in this room tonight, you are loyal to Dwell Church. There are others in the room that are not. God has not yet given that to you. It's nothing wrong with that. It's just honest. It's the way it is. And when you do not yet have loyalty, whether it's to an institution, to a team, to a church, to your workplace, whatever it is, if you do not yet have loyalty, listen carefully, you do not have to participate in disloyalty. You can live in the middle ground of honor. You can honor even when you don't have loyalty. Let me say it this way. You can preserve a loyal spirit even when you don't have loyalty. And I'm going to use a personal story to illustrate this. I'm going to go back to when I was 27 years old. And I'm going to tell a story. I've got a couple friends here in the front row, Walter and Dee Dee. Just Walter and Dee Dee wave at everybody here. Walter and Dee Dee are my personal friends. They live here in Dallas. They came to be with me tonight. And actually, it so happens that they were in the church I was in in 1985. The story I'm about to tell, they were in the church. And they're going to hear the story for the first time right now. Seven years old, I uh, I was offered a position. We lived in we lived in in uh, Rochester, New York, and I'm offered a position in a church in San Diego, California, full time assistant pastor. Well, I was a worship leader in New York, but I wanted to get into pastoral ministry, and I was offered a position. I'm like. California, here we come. We're going to suffer for Jesus in San Diego. What can I say? So I packed up my family. We couldn't afford the move, so I sold my car so that we could pay for the move. 
we landed in San Diego, we didn't have a penny to our name, but we're happy. We've got the world in front of us. We've got stars in our eyes. I'm going to be an assistant pastor in this church. Walter and Dee Dee had their office down the hall from me. They were assistant pastors on staff in this church. And uh, we've got a beautiful friendship with that has lasted all these years. And so I come to this church and three weeks after we arrive... I said to my wife, oops. I did not have loyalty to the pastor. Now, we've got friendships with people from that church to this day, some of the most precious friendships that have maintained, but I did not have loyalty to the pastor. What am I going to do? I've just moved my family across the whole nation. I don't have any money. I've made a two-year minimum commitment. What am I going to do? Now, back when I was 27, I could have wished somebody had written a book on loyalty. I had to learn to write the book. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm in the school of the spirit. What am I going to do? I am on staff, and I do not have loyalty for this pastor. To make it even harder, my job on staff, this was part of my job, I was supposed to visit first-time visitors in the church, go to their home, and convince them to make this their home church. That's my job. I remember this one time. I went to this one family. They lived in La Mesa. I forget their names now, but you would recognize if I could pull the name in, you'd recognize it. Uh, they lived in La Mesa. I, I went to their home, and they made this beautiful meal for us. And the whole evening, I'm coaching myself. Bob, lean forward. Smile. <laughs> Say it like this. And the whole evening, I'm coaching my way through the thing. We want to be a family for you. We want this to be a church where you can exercise your spiritual gifts. We want it to be a home for you. I am saying all the right words. And the whole evening, while I am saying everything, my body language is perfect, my smile is perfect, my words are perfect, inside I'm having a dialogue with Jesus. And here's what I'm saying to the Lord. Jesus, would you please put something in their ears right now? Plug their ears. May they not hear a word I'm saying. Jesus, would you have pity on this family? Would you have mercy on this family? Do not let them come to this church. This is a toxic spiritual environment. God, have mercy on this beautiful family and do not let them come to this church. I am begging God that they will not hear what I'm saying. I did my job so well that night. That family was in that church 
actually credited to my visit that night. I didn't have language for it. I've got language for it now. But this was kind of what was going on in my heart. I was like, this man, and I'm talking about the pastor, this man did not hire me to resist him. He did not hire me to confront him. He did not hire me to expose him. He hired me to assist him. So help me God, as long as I am in this church, I am going to assist this man. And even though I didn't have loyalty for that man, I did not sacrifice a loyal spirit. didn't even realize it at the time, but now I figured it out. God likes to throw out loyalty pop quizzes. Let's see what you do with this one. He's got a big smile on his face. He's enjoying the whole process, and he's like, what you gonna do with this one? If you flunk this one, you'll have another chance. <laughs> and from that day, the Lord took us forward and he continued to enlarge our sphere because I think we passed a loyalty pop quiz and preserved a loyal spirit even though I didn't have loyalty. So that's my point. Even where you don't have loyalty, you don't have to participate in disloyalty. Somebody goes, well, the reason I'm disloyal to my leader is because of something in them. No, the issue is not something in them. The issue is something in you. Let me say it positively. Loyal people are loyal wherever they go. You're loyal in Dallas. They move to Birmingham. Go visit them in Birmingham. They're loyal in Birmingham. Because my loyalty is not a statement about something in my leader. My loyalty is a statement about something in me. I have seen the cross of Jesus Christ. I have beheld the Lamb of God in his glory. And now he has given to me the same kind of loyalty that he has for his father. I'm given that same kind of loyalty to the cross of Jesus Christ. I'll do anything for you. And because of the cross, now I will give my heart and loyalty to the body of Christ. I'm going to join my heart to you, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. I have been won by the cross of Jesus Christ and now I'm loyal to the church of Jesus Christ wherever I go. Thank you for the cross. Now I'm going to tell you why you long to be loyal. By the way, David, there's not a single person in the room that's scowling at me tonight. Everybody in the room has got a pretty happy face right now because we all want to be loyal. And here's why. 
God has made you in his image and he is loyal and he's put it inside of you. And now, because we're created in the image of God, we also want to be loyal. Ain't nobody loyal like God. If you want a good friend, make friends with God. Ain't nobody more loyal than God. Make him your friend, and you've got a friend forever. I'll illustrate that with a story in the Bible. Okay, this story, I'm illustrating how loyal God is. <clears throat> the Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. Wave at me if you're familiar with that. Abraham's the friend of God. So there's a story in Abraham's life. Abraham goes... Sweetheart, I want you to tell the king that you're my sister because if he knows you're my wife, he'll kill me so that he can have you. So, babe, save my life. <laughs> tell the man you're my sister. And Abimelech goes, nice sister. And Abimelech takes Sarah and brings her into his family. A household. And the implication is it's step one of making Sarah part of his harem. God comes to Abimelech in a dream and goes, you're dead. Abimelech's like, excuse me? God goes, you're a dead man. Abimelech goes, I'm dead. Why? God goes, you have another man's wife in your home, and you're dead. Abimelech goes, I have another man's wife in my household. Who? God goes, Sarah, she's Abraham's wife. She's in your house, and you're dead. Abimelech goes, I had no idea. The man told me that she's a sister. She herself said, I'm his sister. God, I did this in the innocence of my own heart. I, I had no idea. And God goes, I understand that. That's why I'm talking to you right now. Restore the man's wife or you're dead. When I look at that story, Ladies and gentlemen, the bad guy in the story is Abraham. Abimelech is the good guy. Abraham is the jerk. Let's call it what it is. And God is sticking up for Abraham. I'm going, God, why did you come down so hard on Abimelech when Abraham is the knucklehead in the story. And the Spirit of God gave it to me like this. I stick by my friends. And I'm like, I need a friend like that. <laughs> because I can be a knucklehead on steroids. Jesus, I want this kind of a friendship with you that even when I'm a knucklehead, you are loyal. He makes the best friend 
make a friendship with God. The reason that loyalty is so important to God is in one word, Lucifer. When Lucifer pulled his coup in heaven, raised up a rebellion against God, took a third of heaven's angels, it was so painful for God, and God's going, I'm going to replace them with another creation. Looking at him right now. God says, I'm going to replace them with another creation. And here was God's plan. Step number one, I'm going to give them a fantastic capability for loyalty. God has put in the human spirit a profound capacity for loyalty. That's why you want to be loyal. It's put into you by your creator. And then he said, I am going to win their loyalty with the cross. That's what the cross is all about. He's winning our voluntary loyalty. And then thirdly, he goes, and then I'm going to test it. That's 2023 in Dallas, Texas. Testing our loyalty. Every day is a test. The trials of life, the circumstances, he's testing our loyalty. And I just want to prophesy over your life. If you remain loyal to Jesus Christ in this war zone, I'm talking about Dallas, Texas. You've got your flesh against you. You've got people against you. You've got circumstances against you. You've got the devil against you. You've got temptation against you. You've got all of hell against you. You've got neighbors against you. People in your family. Your body is against you. Your finances are against you. You live in one massive war zone. And in the middle of all that warfare, if you will be loyal to the Lamb of God in this war zone. I'm declaring over your life, you will be loyal forever. Pass this test and you will never back off and you will say for eternity, my heart is given to the Lamb of God who took it in his hands, took it in his feet, poured his life out unto death and you will be loyal to Jesus forever. Father will never forget it. You know when somebody is loyal to you, you never forget? Wave at me if you know that's true. When somebody is loyal to you, you never forget. The Father will never forget the loyalty of Jesus on the cross. He's like, son, when you did that, when you stood on that nail, I forsook you. Hell came after you, and you stood in loyalty on that cross. And the Father goes, I will never forget this. The same is true for you. When you stand in your circumstances and give your heart and loyalty to Jesus Christ, he says, I will never forget this. Forever I am going to remember the loyalty that you gave your heart in the most difficult circumstances and when you stand before God he's going to call you by name Daniel. He's going to own you and he's going to say you're mine and he's going to raise you up on the last day because he never forgets loyalty.
the day coming when a man is going to ride on a white horse. His name is called Faithful and True. He's got eyes like a flame of fire. He's got a crown of, of, of many, many crowns on his head. He's clothed with a robe that's dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. On his robe and on his thigh, on his thigh it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's got this army that is following behind him. On that day, when you see that man on that white horse and that army following behind him, get your binoculars out because you'll see me. I'm going to be on a white horse following the lamb wherever he goes. Wave at me if you're going to be on that on a white horse because Jesus, we love you and we have given our hearts to you. We've given our hearts to the cross and we're going to follow the lamb wherever he goes. History ends in a loyalty showdown. Look in the Bible. This is how the whole thing ends. It ends. This is Revelation 13. There's a king. And there's an army. And they're all loyal to this king. They are so loyal to this king that they have their loyalty actually branded into their forehead or on their hand. It's called the mark of the beast. And they are going to be so loyal to the Antichrist that they will actually have it imprinted on their body, their loyalty to the Antichrist. And then in Revelation 14, there's another king. And his army, they have the name of their heavenly father imprinted on their forehead. And it ends in a loyalty showdown. King against king. Army against army. And both armies are going to have their loyalty imprinted on their flesh. The whole thing ends in a loyalty showdown. I've tried to show you something tonight. I don't know if you caught it. I've tried to show you that loyalty is the central thread of the entire redemption message. It started with Lucifer in heaven. It was a loyalty issue. It came through the cross. It was a loyalty issue. It ended with two armies, a loyalty showdown. Loyalty is the issue from the start to the finish. He's looking for loyal hearts. Does anybody in the room have any ink? Anybody wearing any ink tonight? I don't have any tattoos. I'm going to be honest with you, Anna. It's, it's just, just not my thing. But one day, I'm getting three tattoos. Revelation 3.12. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven for my God. And I will write on him my new name. I'm getting three tattoos. And I'm getting them at Jesus' tattoo parlor. He, him, 
himself is gonna give me three tattoos and I am gonna wear them in my flesh forever. They are loyalty tattoos because he gave his life for me on the cross and I'm gonna carry it in my body forever. Jesus, I am yours. I love you. You've got my heart. You've got my mind. You've got my body. You've got my strength. Everything that I am, I am given in loyalty to you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.